You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, greetings and welcome in. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 176, and in just a moment, we're going to be dialoguing about a relatively famous Bible character, a woman by the name of Deborah, who God used in a great way. She had profound positive impact on the nation of Israel and really deserves to be talked about. So I'm excited to talk about her, to honor uh, what she did, honor her legacy, and uh, and also excited to dialogue about how that story maybe applies to us today and whether or not uh, her role as a leader applies to how we view women in leadership today. Hey, before we get to uh, the content, just a quick reminder to everyone about the importance of being subscribed to the podcast. If you are already subscribed, then you know you are already getting every episode delivered directly to you. But if you're not subscribed, then you're not getting every episode delivered directly to your device. And if you want that, then you want to make sure you're subscribed. So you can look us up in any podcast app and hit that subscribe button, or you can do it on our website. You can click on any one of the subscription buttons there. That'll make it easy to take you over to the page where you can subscribe. You can find it on the web, uh, or, or you can do it at our website at theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's talk about Deborah. Uh, if you're not familiar, Deborah was a, a prophetess and a judge in the Old Testament. God used her in a profound way. Uh, we're going to get into the story in just a moment. If you're not familiar with the with the age of the judges, let me give you just a quick uh, heads up as to what was going on because that does, does matter in light of how we you know how we view this story and the woman Deborah. Um, so many of you are probably familiar with the patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his sons. They go into Egypt. They're in slavery for 400 years. God then raises up this man named Moses. Moses then leads the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. Uh, If you've never read this, you can read through the book of Exodus. It really talks quite a bit about this. And in the 90s, uh, Disney came out with a movie uh, called The Prince of Egypt that I think uh, did a decent job of kind of telling the story. You can check that out. Uh, So Moses leads the people out into the desert, and they wander around for 40 years, and then eventually Moses dies, and God raises up a new leader, a man by the name of Joshua, and Joshua actually leads them into the promised land, this this piece of land known as Israel uh, in, in Palestine, and and there the Jewish people live for many centuries. Uh, when they first go into the nation of Israel, however, or into the land that becomes a nation of Israel, it was not God's desire for them to have a king. Um, and so for about a 300-year period, they function in this era of what's called the judges. And basically, the individual tribes of Israel sort of governed themselves. Kind of think think kind of like states here in the United States or provinces in Canada. Um, but they had a lot more autonomy and a lot more freedom. There really wasn't a, a strong kind of central government or federal government. It was really more the individual tribes, the individual states, so to speak, that kind of really governed the local affairs. And then even within each tribe, within each region, they were kind Kind of family units, and what often would happen within the tribes, the, the elders would kind of come together and govern uh, really in a collaborative fashion. It was really kind of a democratic system, really before democracy existed. Um, the, the Jewish people 
had individual local groups and and you know and they had local elders they didn't elect those elders you know it wasn't like a democratically elected government it was just the the older the, the oldest and wisest people uh men of the tribe would come together and sort of govern the tribe and they were typically you know a patriarch or multiple patriarchs to each tribe within Israel and then of course the tribes would work together the 12 tribes would would come and function together and kind of do cross tribe business and commerce and they would function together but it was sort of this kind of um, this collaborative government, so to speak, that was, or at least that was kind of the the way it was set up, and and this was the way for for you know almost three hundred years of Jewish history function in the in the way of judges. And during this time, in each region, there would be judges appo- appointed to bring about justice. And each judge was typically appointed and brought to the forefront in different ways. And there are lots of them. Um, that, you know, as you can read in in the book of Judges, the, the the book of Judges is a book of the Bible that really kind of covers the history of this particular time frame. And there are a variety of famous judges. Samson is one of the most famous ones. Gideon is one of the most famous ones. And there are others. And the, the, the job of the judges were to, number one, to judge. Literally what they do, they would bring justice. Whenever there was a squabble or disagreement between peoples and that they, they needed someone to bring justice or someone committed a crime. And again, there needed to be a prescription or kind of a, a, a determination what to do. They would bring them before one of the judges and the judge would then de- determine um, you know, what would happen or, or what the prescription was or what the reconciliation was, how he would fix that. And so that's what the judges did. In, mo- in most cases, the judges came to prominence in some way that was supernatural. It was obvious that God was calling them to be a judge. But in some cases, we don't know precisely how the judges came to be. And, and Deborah's the case, in, in her case, we have no idea actually how she became a judge or, or what brought her to that place. It's not, it's not told in scripture, but we do know that she was a judge in Israel, one of, of several. The other thing that judges would often do is that God would raise judges up. God would bring a judge to the forefront to to lead a particular mission, right? God would say, I want want my people to do this one specific thing. So God would raise up a particular person to lead a particular group of people within Israel to accomplish that one particular mission. And then in other cases, sometimes the judges also functioned as prophets where they would speak on behalf of God. And so the judges obviously did a variety of things, but they were not typically in power overall. They were were not like a king or a queen. They were not a monarch, right? They, they They had specific roles for specific short periods of time and they had specific ideas that they would bring to the table they would speak on behalf of God and they were one of many leaders there was a plurality of leadership within the nation of Israel and eventually the people of Israel basically said God we hate this system give us a king to lord over us and God eventually gave them King Saul um, because you know they wanted a king God didn't want to give them a king that wasn't his desire but he relented to the people of Israel's um, request, wrong and stupid request as we look back on upon it now, but nonetheless, that was their request. And so there are many judges that rise up in this period of time, and one of them is this woman named Deborah. Now, even before Deborah, women have been a huge part of the nation of Israel, right? We look through, uh, the, you know, the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus. We, we, we examine the, t- the era of time leading up to the judges. There have been sev- there were several women that had tremendous impact. I think of Sarah and Rebecca. I think of Miriam. Uh, there, there are several women throughout the course of the story of God and the history of the people of God that, that were profoundly used by God. But what we never saw before Deborah is a woman being the primary leader 
leader of the people of God. Deborah was the first one to rise up as one of the primary leaders of the people of God. In fact, she's the only one. And then either before Deborah and after Deborah, there are dozens and dozens and do, I mean, actually hundreds of leaders and prophets and, and priests and people that God uses in profound ways, people that rise up in the story of God. And, and, and while there are many women with lots of influence, we only see one ever serving in, a, in an area where, where she is the primary leader. Why, do, why does that matter? Well, if you've been tracking with me over the last several episodes, from episode 171 to 175, I've been talking about gender roles and women in leadership and, and, the, and what complementarianism is, what's egalitarianism. So you, can, you can go back and listen to all of those episodes. But, but I am of the opinion that God calls men to be the primary leaders for his people, his church. And sometimes people will will combat that and say, well, what about Deborah? Deborah was a prophetess. She was a judge. See, you see, God's okay with women being leaders because Deborah was a leader. And they'll say, see, women can be pastors today because Deborah was a leader. And I, I think that's not, there's not exactly a one-to-one. I think the first lesson we learn is that it was actually very rare. And so should women be involved in leadership? Yes. Should women have influence in the church? Absolutely. I've made that clear over and over again. As they have all throughout the pages of the Old Testament and in the New Testament, women play a huge role, a vital role. And if women are not uh, having great influence in your local church context, well, there is something broken with your local church context. Women should play a huge role. However, I think one of the things we can learn from Deborah is the understanding that as God was unfolding the story of his people over the course of several centuries, we only see one primary female leader kind of rise to the occasion. Well, I think, I think that should, should show us that, that although women can occasionally step into very primary roles of leadership, it actually will be typically very rare. That in most cases, God will call men to fulfill primary roles of leadership and that women will serve alongside of those men, influencing those men, shaping those men, supporting those men, giving those, those men counsel, rebuking and challenging those men if necessary, and serving as a complement to those men. I think the life of Deborah points to the fact that there is a there's a rareness to her stepping into leadership. Nonetheless, she did step into a very primary role and God used her in a in a great way. She was a, a passionate person, really a, a fiery personality. Uh, she clearly had strong leadership skills. She could she could be the the captain of the ship, so to speak. Uh, she loved God. She loved the people of God. She wanted to serve God, and she could hear from God. And we see all of that in the life of Deborah. Now it's important also to note what was going on in Israel at the time that Deborah became a judge. Uh, at this point, they had already been in the promised land uh, for quite some time, several decades. Uh, but some of the people of Israel had sinned against God. And so as a form of judgment, God had brought this uh, king, one of the kings in the land of Canaan, to come and war against Israel. And for, for the previous 20 years or so, there had been a, a, a small war going on. And many of the Israelite people had been abused, attacked, killed, neglected, oppressed by this Canaanite king but now God had determined after 20 years that he was going to rescue his people that he was going to send them a leader to rescue Israel from the oppression of this king in the land of Canaan and it's important to note that God did not actually send Deborah to do this job 
God actually calls upon a man named Barak. He was a, a military leader in Israel, and God calls upon him, and Barak doesn't do it. And so we see in Judges chapter 4, Deborah calls him, summons him, and she reminds him. You can look at the language, both in the Hebrew and in the, in the English. It is very clear that she is not giving him a new instruction. She's actually reminding him of something that God has already told him, saying, hey, didn't God tell you to go lead the people of Israel to, to, uh, to you know, that didn't God tell you it was time for you to rise up and he was going to, he was going to, uh, you know, to use you to, to overthrow that this king that had been oppressing his people. Side note, I think there's a great lesson learned here that when men don't rise to the occasion, when men don't do what they're supposed to do, sometimes in many cases, God will bring a woman into that man's life to call him out and remind him of what his responsibilities ought to be. It's a great lesson learned. I think that's one of the greatest responsibilities that women have both within marriage and within church leadership structures. Uh, I think it's a great lesson that we can learn. And so that's basically what's happening here. Barack was supposed to be the guy and he doesn't want to do it. He's a coward. He's sort of spineless in some ways. He doesn't want to step up to the occasion. Deborah challenges him and Barack says, well, I'll go, but you have to go with and that was basically say his he was afraid to go on his own. He, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Deborah then agrees. She says yes because Deborah was a fiery person. She was a, a woman of courage, and she knew that God was going to deliver them. And she, she was not afraid to go. And Barack's like, I need that girl by my side. And so she says yes. He goes, but there's going to be consequences. See, Deborah makes it clear to him, you should be the hero of this story, Barack. Deborah's telling him, listen, you're going to go and you're going to win this war and you're going to be the hero. You're going to one that's going to get the glory. And he says, um, no, I want you to go with me. And Deborah's like, well, if I go with you, you're not going to get the glory. I'm going to end up getting the glory. I'm going to be the one that's going to be the hero. And it's in essence what ends up happening. When you read through Genesis chapter 4 and 5, you, or excuse me, not Genesis, Judges, um, Judges chapter 4 and 5, you see that Deborah uh, goes with Barak. They end up fighting. They, they defeat these this group of Canaanites. They, they kill them off. They kill the king. Israel is delivered. But then in Judges 5, we see that the glory goes to Deborah, that there's actually a song about her. And it's a song about Barak and Deborah leading the people of Israel. But ultimately, Deborah ends up getting the bulk of the glory. And Barak doesn't get the glory as he should have. And again, I think, I think there is... There's a lesson to be learned here that it was that God had a particular plan and a man's refusal to rise to the occasion leads leads to a woman rising to the occasion and leading it and getting the glory. And this actually was sort of sort of a shame to Barak in some ways. Um, eventually what happens is that the people of Israel are delivered and the Bible tells us there will be 40 years of peace. And this is a great time for the nation of Israel and Deborah ends up getting all of the credit. So sometimes what happens is that when, when people like me, who are complementarian, when we say that we believe that the role of pastor and the office of elder should only be reserved for men, um, what, what begins to then happen is people will say, well, you're wrong because you see Deborah was a judge. That means women can be pastors. Well, I don't know that that's actually accurate because first and foremost, um, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. Like God set up a structure to, to govern a nation in the, in the Old Testament. And when we get to the New Testament, we see a different structure coming into play to govern the church. There are some similarities, there are some overlaps, there are some truths that apply to both, but it's very clear that the structure within the New Testament church is different than the Old Testament structure. And therefore, therefore that, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily apply. Furthermore, there are a bunch of laws that apply to the Jewish people, both uh, moral laws as well as civil 
civic laws and governmental structure ceremonies and regulations that they were expected to follow that we as Christians are not expected to follow. So again, the overall civic structure and the expectations upon the Jewish people does not necessarily transfer to the church. And so just because something happened in the Old Testament in this way doesn't necessarily mean that that perfectly comes to the New Testament. When we are talking about the New Testament structure, we must use the New Testament to govern who is a leader and who is not, and who does what and who doesn't do what. The, the New Testament should govern the New Testament structure as the Old Testament governed the Old Testament structure. The structure is different. Furthermore, as I mentioned way earlier, I do think we realize as we look through the pages of the Old Testament, we do see how rare it was for men to call upon women. And in that regard, I do think we see the design of God for men to be the primary leaders and women to complement those men and to serve alongside of those men. I think that is the structure. That was the structure back in the Garden of Eden. That was a structure throughout the Old Testament. And that is the structure that the Apostle Paul outlines for us in the New Testament. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, Kenny, you just told us the Old Testament doesn't apply in this case. That's what I'm saying. The Old Testament structure doesn't apply, but the New Testament reaffirms certain elements of the Old Testament. So there are elements of the Old Testament that don't carry over, but there there are elements of the Old Testament that do carry over. How do we know which ones? Well, the New Testament tells us which ones do carry over, which ones don't carry over. And particularly when we're talking about women and leadership, we have passages like 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 11 and 12 and, and, and Titus that give us some clear understanding as to, as to the idea that men ought to be the primary leaders and that women ought to have great influence in serving alongside of those men and helping those men to be all that they are called to be. The last lesson I think we learn from Deborah is the reminder that, that God actually called a man to do the job and the man didn't step up and that's when the woman stepped in. She did a great job. I am thankful for Deborah. I honor for her efforts. I honor her for, for listening to God and being willing to step in when the man would not. And I think there are moments within modern culture where that needs to be the case, where there are men that are called to step up in the church and they don't, and therefore women need to step in and take take it because because God wants the job done and, and, and God proves and God makes it clear that while his preference was a man, he was willing for a, to allow a woman to step in. And I, and I think I think that's still the case. I think there are probably a lot of scenarios where God has called men to do things. They don't do it because they're being cowards. And therefore, God sovereignly allows for a woman to step in and to do the job. And, and the man should have gotten the glory and the credit, but God makes sure that the woman gets the glory and the credit because because she's ultimately the one that did it and really deserved it. Deborah was a great character. God used her profoundly. I think there are great lessons we can learn from the book of Judges and from Deborah's life and from other judges, uh, from the other people that are mentioned in the book of Judges. Um, but I, I think if if someone makes the case that women can be pastors today because of Deborah, I think there's I think that's inconsistent for a variety of ways. And to, to interpret it that way, you, sim- you it simply means that you are flat out ignoring passages of scripture in the New Testament. And that, my friends, is is not where I want to be. I don't want to be ignoring passages of scripture, nor do I want to be, uh, you know, interpreting the scriptures in a way that I believe is inconsistent. So I'd encourage all of us to use the New Testament to govern New Testament, govern, uh, you know, structures. That is the most consistent way to approach it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic that you want me to address on the podcast, feel free to shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com.
If you want to connect with me personally, the best place to do it is on Twitter. I love the tweet, and I love connecting with people there. Find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Hey, if you're a big fan of podcasting, check out my other podcast, the Student Ministry Podcast, really designed to be a resource for any person working in student ministry. You can find it on the web at studentministrypodcast.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.